Coming to you live from the LMP show with host Samuel Levitino and Chess Patterson. Welcome, y'all. Here we are coming to you live from Austin, Texas. We have a very special guest here today. He is a good friend of Chess and I's, and we've had the pleasure of growing up with um, Richard. He is uh, a very successful athlete as well as scholar. He attended Baylor University, where he received his MBA as well as a undergraduate degree in finance. And it took him four years to do that. Was it? Was it five? Five years. Five years. Okay. Wish well, the four. undergraduate three. Yeah, I just stumbled through there somehow. <clears throat> yeah. Anyways, Richard also had a very successful career playing for the Baylor baseball team, where he boasted an average of 318 over the course of four years. I didn't realize that was my four-year average. Very <laughs> impressive, Rich. But anyways, he is more than just a baseball player, more than just an academic. Richard is a man of faith, and more importantly, he's a renaissance man. So Richard, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, guys. I'm, okay, the, the renaissance man, more <laughs> important than the man of faith. Hopefully I can correct that yeah, by the yeah, end yeah. of this. But I, I love it came out. I love the idea behind the show. I'm a I'm a fan and I love y'all's. More importantly, Richard is a man of faith, y'all. There we go. Secondly, right. Renaissance. <laughs> Just kidding around. But anyways, thankful uh, to be here, guys. Yeah, Richard, Rich and I go way back. I actually met him back in youth group. I think seventh or eighth grade. We attended uh, camp together in Georgia called Covecrest. And That's right. Uh, I don't know, whenever we started really becoming buds, maybe it was looking at those goats on the roof whenever we <laughs> drove by those hillbillies <laughs> or uh, just kind of the time we spent together on the baseball field. But it's it's been quite a while, and it's been an honor to see Richard grow because he's back in Austin, Texas yeah. with Chess and I as well, and uh, we're glad to have him back. And he's... He's had a pretty successful 24 years so far. I appreciate that, guys. That's very kind. One of the nicer introductions <laughs> I have ever had. I mean, that yeah. means a lot. Yeah, yeah I've, I've also known Richard for a while. I think I met him. This should be good. I don't know, really maybe, you know, what, Cassie sometime? Was, I mean, we might even go back further than Sam and I. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, you know, I always looked up to Richard. He was always a stud athlete that I was trying to. Uh, you were so deceived to in your live young up days, to. Chess. <laughs> I could never live up to that him. So false. But uh, <laughs> he uh, he hasn't killed me. I took his sister to prom yeah, senior year of high school. That's the biggest part of this whole intro that we're kind of brushing over <laughs> is the fact that Chess took my sister to prom and I took her to the baseball game. <laughs> Holy smokes! This is why I'm here, guys. <laughs> They're just trying to date my sister. Yeah. This is outrageous. That's right. <laughs> Kara, we'll send this to you, and we'll see if they can't like put their resumes in front of you and see who gets the next date. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, as you can see, Richard uh, is quite a fun guy, and we've known him for a while. But anyways, Richard, why don't you go into detail a little bit of when your baseball career started? You've been playing for how long now? Yeah, that's a great question. People ask that, and I really don't even, you know, everyone remembers like the first time they stepped on a ball field, that kind of thing. I only remember because football was actually my first love mm-hmm. in my family. Um, came from a home that was just classic, like Texas football house. My mom was the University of Texas cheer coach, and uh, started the UT Palm team. So she's just like everything she did lived and revolved around big college football. My dad played football in college at Tulsa University, um, and he also coached. And when he finished, first job he got was here in Central Texas, and. 
he just spent some time around the Central Texas area coaching college and high school football. And so the way we were raised and brought up was we lived and breathed football. Mm-hmm. And so that was really my first love. And so baseball was always kind of a side gig. And we actually weren't even allowed to play baseball till a certain age. I think it was like seven, eight, or nine in my house because my dad was so prioritized. I mean, I just have the most football coach father ever. I was held back in first grade because he was worried that I was going to be small and be the runt of the litter. And little did he know I would end up being five nine and still be a runt. He wanted but, to be a big football. Yeah, star. exactly. He wanted so he held me back even though it was like entirely unnecessary. Um, but all that being said, I remember playing baseball at Oak Hill. I was probably mm-hmm. in first or second grade, so not like the super young classic story where it's like, oh man, I remember having videos of me taking hacks in the backyard at a wiffle ball at like age two in diapers. <laughs> Which, by the way, y'all, Oak Hill has produced some incredible baseball players. Yeah, I would love to go back and do like a deep dive into who's Lance come out Berkman, of Oak Hill. Myself is the all-time worst. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Same <laughs> game. Yeah, but so you played at Oak Hill. Yeah, so it was like first or second grade. I played on the Indians. And, dude, I was atrocious. I was so bad. I I remember being so aggravated by baseball because in football or in soccer or in basketball and all of these, like, fun, fast-paced sports, as a little guy, it was just, you know, nonstop energy up and down the court, up and down the court. And I get out to baseball, and it is so methodical, and there's so much thinking to it. And I just never forget how badly I struggled in baseball. From essentially first grade until end of seventh grade, I was just bad. Like, there was spurts in there where it was good, but for some reason, the more I fell in love with baseball, like, it was like an inverse relationship to my performance. I'll never forget, in sixth grade and seventh grade, I played on this team. It was essentially an extension of the Oak Hill team I was on. In sixth grade, I was on the Red Sox and Bronco, and in that summer, we created what was called the Oak Hill, like the Oak Hill Warriors or something, the Austin Warriors, and there's 13 guys on the team, and I'll never forget, I batted 13th. And I had one hit all summer long. It was a triple into the right center field gap. But I'm not kidding. Aside that one hit, I probably struck out every single at bat. But I'll never forget the joy I had after that triple. That's how distinct they are. I remember in my mind just how just brutal That's I was. That's what hooked you into the sport. I don't know what it was, just living for that one triple. But that was sixth grade, seventh grade kind of had a similar struggle. Started to come into my body a little bit more. Um... Dad had me doing push-ups and kind of, you know, all this is for football. Running sprints, But on the too. side, I'm, like, prepping for football and getting ready for 7th <laughs> grade and 8th grade football. And I'm getting a little bit stronger, starting to kind of figure myself out as an athlete. And then, really, that's when, in 8th grade, I started to realize, oh, man, I can do this baseball thing. And, tru- yeah. like, truly, I really do think it was the Lord's intervention in my life because I can't – I wish I could go back and say, oh, yeah, it was this change I made in my swing in 7th grade or it was – the fact that I spent just more hours than the other kids, just like like pouring into baseball. No, truly, I'm not kidding when I say that in eighth grade, I started playing for this organization called the Austin Wings. Had no business being on this team. It was just this elite team. Um, I got to be put on the team because my dad was connected to a coach of the 14U team in eighth grade. And I played for this team and just went 
nuts. Like it was just God's sovereignty in my life. I hit like 700 this entire <laughs> Holy year. Holy like It was just stupid. I'm just an eighth grader out there thinking you like. You go from getting one hit to hitting 700. Yeah, like I mean just, I mean later. that is a, for sure an exaggeration, but I'm not <laughs> yeah. kidding. Like I talked to guys who were on that team with me and we'll still joke and laugh about how like my first 15 at bats of my eighth grade season, I was like 15 for 15. And I never collected that's 15 awesome. hits in an entire season. <laughs> but that being said, that's really was the catalyst into, wow. oh man, this is something I could do at maybe a high level, I could maybe, you know, be on varsity as an underclassman. And, and so all of a sudden you start to see where this could take you. And that's when I started to say, oh man, there's going to be some work that's put into this, not just on the ball field, but physically and mentally. And I'm going to actually try to master this craft and mm-hmm. never got anywhere near it. But that's kind of what kicked off baseball. Sorry for the long story. You got all the so, way back to first grade there. No, you're right. So backtrack a little bit. I'm not sure when this really started. Your dad's a football coach. Correct. Not anymore, but was, yes. Yeah, he's a football coach at the time. He was in the past, currently. Um, And so at at what point was he a factor in your baseball career? I mean, obviously he's he's probably wanting to push you to play football. He's a huge sports fan, so maybe he's also pushing you to play baseball. But how did his mentorship kind of guide you to where you are in in your time at the wings that's a really good question so i mean we just you gotta understand we loved sports in my household i'm sure similar to y'all's but i mean it's just we were just upbeat always playing something you know fall meant football winter time meant basketball springtime meant baseball when you're not at the baseball field you're playing golf summertime meant golf and like training and then we'd restart the cycle all over again it's like those were People would be like, you know, what are your hobbies growing up? And ours were whatever seasons they were playing that sport. But dad, I mean, I just had, I was so blessed and fortunate to have a dad who wanted to coach all of everything. You know, here in Austin, mm-hmm. we have Oak Hill where we played baseball. We had the West Austin Youth Sports Youth Association, Wea. And my dad was getting thrown out of like fourth grade flag football games. I mean, the guy is an absolute animal. Dang it, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, big Kyle. And I also, you can't discount my older brother's mentorship an example here i mean i i just everything i did as a little guy was wanting to be my older brother and his friends i don't know if you guys can mm-hmm. attest to something like that having that older guy in your life or whatever it is but you know i was Definitely. i was four years younger than michael was and everything i did was like oh i just want to be like michael and eric and nick and adam and all those guys and i can still remember all of them distinctly by name and what they looked like um so their mentorship was just huge and the nicest thing ever was they were so involved and so invested I got to go watch Michael play everything, and then after the game, they would let me, you know, play around. And so it just really it happened organically, and my dad was just always a coach in every aspect, you know, in regard to character, in regard to school, in regard to sports, that he just, he looked for moments to be a coach, and praise God for it. I mean, just, it, it led to an incredible relationship, and also it developed me in so many ways. Yeah, I mean, you just got back from a round of golf with your dad. Dude. <laughs> the guy turned 60 in two weeks, September 28th, and he's out there just slicing and, and dicing was just, me. Richard was just uh, uh, letting him have it today. Listen, today he was he's he's fresh off of a trip abroad. So. <laughs> and so Chess and I actually played golf with Richard two months ago now. Yeah, what was that? Two months it ago? Was, yeah. Early it midsummer. It was hot. That's what it was. It was and hot. <laughs> we've spoke about playing golf before in the past, and Richard just being humble. He's like, guys, I'm, I'm nothing special. <laughs> we get out there. Richard gets out the first tee. I mean, his 
whole body spun around and just whipped <laughs> like the crap of a whip. And I've been told I have a really abrupt back. Very aggressive. <laughs> but he just launched that ball 350 yards no, right I mean, down the fairway. Say, you know, I go up there, I slice it off to the left. You know, yeah. Sam goes up there. Did you? Bur- I think you birdied the first hole, if I'm not mistaken. You uh, drained like a 20-footer. <laughs> Maybe I got lucky. <laughs> Sam goes up there, nice drive down the middle. Richard goes up there. Really good drive down the middle. I thought Sam had a solid drive, but Richard's you know, ball go up to the was, ball. was probably it's 50 yards past. <laughs> and I'm every time. <laughs> it definitely put me to shame. You have to put into context, though, that you guys are optic, for sure downplaying yourselves. These guys mm-hmm. can scrap around and play some G. Don't let them lie to you. But you have to put into context. I've been swinging it moving balls for the last five years of my life. Like, and yeah, well, not only that, I've been swinging and missing a lot. So I get a ball that's still and sitting right there. I'm thrilled. Like, so I'm taking a hack at this thing because I know it's not trying to dip out of my way Other or break into my feet. To kill you. <laughs> or, you know. But needless to say, we learned that Richard is probably the most competitive individual we've ever met. And I yeah. think it might spawn back to those early days and you know his desire to be like Michael, your older brother. Uh, I mean, I have a memory of Richard. Out, it was at Austin High era. Oh no! Who knows? And this is gonna come back. It to was. Bite me. It was after football because you you played football until sophomore year. Correct. You were. I think it. You may have been pre or post football. Can't remember. Mm-hmm. You were running sprints on the track. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, with your dad coaching. That's you. correct. That is and correct. I remember you saying that that you had, you had been running sprints last week or something, and you just had a full body, like both your legs just cramped up when you were driving home. <laughs> Dude, I remember this. Yeah. I'll never, I mean, so Austin High is down there, on the water, and I'm on that side of the track that's closest to the water, and I'd always park right. Th- I just dreaded these moments because <laughs> you know so you would have the last period of the day would be the sports period and you guys were in baseball class with me what your yeah. junior and senior years um yeah. maybe even before I was that there for you freshman yeah year. freshman yeah. year um you joined after football if i'm not mistaken. yeah i was i was never in the class yeah but essentially you know we'd go do the most laxed hour and a half of baseball ever but it's still it was hot it was outside doing stuff and then my dad and i and I appreciate his desire for my development, but we would go do these track workouts because I had to like, I don't know, just apparently I had to achieve some elite speed. And <laughs> we would Richard go was slow. That's what he's trying to say. We would go run just these grueling track workouts, <laughs> and it was after being outside. It was so hot, and my dad and I, we were just getting like I don't know about if you guys ever had the experience, but we'd push. He'd push me so hard that I would push back, just being the ignorant teenage boy I was. I would, yeah, I would push back and get mad at him if I wasn't running as fast. You know, we were running 60s. That's the big baseball sprint. And the goal was always to break a 6'5", 60. And um, I just, like, we would, it would always be on the track and I'd run like a 6'6", And then I'd get all defensive and I'd yell at him. But then the next one I'd run like a 6'7". So now I'm really pissed. And then, you know, at one point in there we'd mix in something good. But I'll just never forget that particular moment. <laughs> <laughs> Going to my car right there by the water and just like full body just seizes up oh. and people like driving by friends are driving by and cute girls are driving by and I'm like trying to act normal and yet I like feel like my body's about to just break in half well not many people have pushed themselves to the limit like Dude, that yeah, like, I think believe I don't I don't have it on my own I have an old man and a brother on their own but hey it helped you you were getting fast Dude. yeah I was and I it was stuck thankful. with you I mean you it were... was probably the reason I was able to play college ball at the level I was able to play it was simply because of just your speed and God's, God's given ability. You just don't want to discredit that, but just also the people I had around me pushing me to be like, hey, mm-hmm. you've got something there with speed. Can you take it to another level? Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and on a, on a back note, 
a 60 yard dash. It's, I think my time was like a 6'9, and I was a fairly fast kid. Richards was like a 6'4. Yeah. So just, <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, y'all, I'm talking, this guy had track speed. He, he probably could have ran track and, and done very well for the school. But he, he put his use into the outfield. And I think I remember there was one time Richard was on the varsity and uh, I was still on the JV. And we went to one of these varsity games and, and Richard's out there in center field. And uh, some guy just cranks one into like left center. I, I don't even know where the ball is. But I just remember seeing this ball take off off the bat. And I said, man, there's no way. And then you just see this blur run out. You see the flash <laughs> just come out of nowhere. And Richard goes and he catches his ball. And I was like... Now that is how outfielders are supposed to play. Man, you guys, I need to hang out with you guys more often. Yeah. Y'all make me feel so much better about my ability. <laughs> but it was it was funny. And, and all the time we spent the outfield doing baseball drills. Would, we spent some hours out there. Which we thought I thought was just a waste of time. <laughs> you were always trying 100% every time. And I don't know what it was, but everybody's out there kind of like, man, we, we need to get to Richard's level. So... In a way, he he served as a role model for the whole team. Uh, when do you think that kind of started? When do you feel like you had a big impact on the team? Because you're freshman, sophomore in high school, and you're you're playing on the on the varsity. Mm. Well, I appreciate that, man. You, I mean, I, y'all's recall is so good. I, like, <laughs> I I was actually talking to before I get into that question. I was talking to Marshall, my fiance, the other day, and I was just. I was choked up because we were thinking back on our time at Baylor and how special it was. We were driving back from Waco. We went to a football game, um, watched the Bears play, and I was just like, man, I do not want this to become a distant memory. And unfortunately, high school has. You know, I, yeah. I think back, you guys are like unhashing memories where I'm like, man, that me full body cramp or like chasing down a ball in the outfield. <laughs> hey, like, peaked a little I, already. <laughs> I wish, but I wish I could recall those moments, just whatever it might be. Just like, you know, I go to the Austin Stone now and I'm walking to the mm-hmm. high school wall, halls and I'm like, wait. Where the heck's the bathroom? I should know this. This used to be like the back of my hand, but but speaking yeah. back to your question about kind of leadership and doing that, I don't know. I mean, I I just I think I recognized at a really young age that something I love to do, and y'all can tell you probably got your ears talked off by now, is I love to be that kind of the outspoken person, um, whatever the environment or the setting was. When people, I mean, it's just a natural inclination is to shy away from that moment. And maybe it was growing up with a father and a mother who were both so extroverted um, and hearing them give pregame talks or whatever it was. Um, I it just, in those moments where, you know, it's whether you're sitting around in a small group and people are like awkwardly sharing something on a deeper level, whether it's like in a church environment or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. I always kind of love to say my piece. And some of that could be tied to a pride element, um, which can be dangerous. But at the same time, in regard to high school athletics, even even in you know freshman or sophomore year when I was fortunate to be on the varsity team as a younger guy, I just always saw a gap there for, well, no one's speaking up. Not that we didn't have good leadership. They don't have to be, you don't have to speak up to be a leader. But in regard to vocal leadership in particular, I always felt that that was an avenue in which I didn't feel uncomfortable in. I could mm-hmm. provide some insight. And maybe some, maybe sometimes I said too much or I was too annoying or too loud, but I don't know. I it just, it was something that I naturally enjoyed doing. And, you know, from observing people around me, taking in wisdom from like-minded guys like you or whatever it might be, it just enhances that ability. Cause then when it is your turn to share, something comes out that can be of any leadership value. So. Yeah. And what always impressed me about Richard too is Austin high. For those of you that aren't familiar 
it literally has every type of person. Oh man, you can. I mean, such a special way to do. It high is school. amazing. I mean, you have every single race, socioeconomic hmm. cut of society you could possibly imagine. Yeah, and everybody, um, you know, every single person loved Richard and looked up to him as a leader. I appreciate that. And I think that really spoke accolades to him. And, you know, do you have any any feedback on that? I mean, how were you able to connect so well? And, and just at Baylor, even at Baylor, you know, you're able to connect so well with so many people. Well, that, I mean, I, that's very kind of you to say. I, I wish there was some magic formula, but truly, I mean this in like with full sincerity. I think it's, you know, Philippians says this, is is it's just holding others as more value than yourself. Not thinking of yourself in a lesser context, but thinking of yourself less. And so, I mean, I, I truly think that, and I don't have, like, the perfect formula figured out. I am, I am such a selfish person. I could go on and on about my, my selfish rants. Ask my fiancé. Um, but, but I truly mean this just in regard to Austin High or Baylor or whatever it is. Um, Man, just the desire to love people and to celebrate people and to see them where they are and get on an eye level and understand and know people. It's just, it's exactly how Jesus Christ did leadership. He did nothing flashy. And by no means do I think I can equate myself to Jesus Christ. But that is the model in which I'm trying to hopefully follow and embody is a servant-hearted nature in a lot of ways just goes so far and all of a sudden it puts you on a relational level with people of any, like you said, any socioeconomic background because we all have those deep inherent human desires to be mm-hmm. loved, to be seen, to be known, to be cared for, to feel secured. It doesn't matter if you're left or right or white, black, brown, whatever color you are. I mean, people appreciate being looked in the eyes and seen and cared for. Mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I had parents who did it really well. I had faith mentors who did it really well, and yeah. it, it just praise God, some piece of it overflowed from me at Austin High and at Baylor, dude. And I love your point about Austin High socioeconomic. I mean, Holy smokes! Awesome school. I mean, melting pot. it is so. I mean, such a special way to do high school because it exposes you to the real world more than I've seen the real world in the last five and a half years. I mean, I only forget playing safety on the Austin High football team, and I have a cornerback on my left whose family owns the biggest ranch hall of Texas and just is printing money. And then I have a cornerback on my right who has his own children and they're just living for their next food stamp. And just You can't recreate that stuff. No, and we're all going can't. to play ping pong together yeah. after practice at someone's house. And it's just such a bizarre It was world. awesome. You, Austin and I taught everyone that goes yeah. to Austin and I learns a lot from it. No doubt. It's amazing. I wish I would have put a little... Put forth a little more in the class side of this, <laughs> but man, in the just the yeah. people side, it, hey, it is such a good lesson in growing. Uh, up. In yeah. high school, the people side is the most important thing. So, so you know, just in life, in trying general, to figure out who you are, it's the people. Yeah, no doubt, yeah. that is so true. And I'd say, I feel like we had a pretty special thing going there. Uh, you were an FCA leader at Austin High. Mm-hmm. I uh, joined along. FCA is the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and. Um, Richard had been a leader, as well as a few other older guys who were on the baseball team, and I became involved, Chess became involved, later became a leader. But, yo, I'm not kidding, this thing became cool. You it would, was wild. You would never <laughs> think that FCA would have had 80 people attending. Yeah, that just gave me chills just thinking about I mean, it was, like a, what it was God incredible. was doing. Yeah, it was awesome. So I don't even know if they're like allowed to meet 
on campus anymore. Yeah. Actually, just simply because of just staying age politics yeah. and wh- where we are in 2019, um, which is a conversation for another time. <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. just wild, like a bunch that of kids amazing. getting together, being like, "All right, let's bring donuts to this particular like this like athletics <laughs> room we had at Austin High called the Maroon Room, and we'll study the word for five minutes, but we'll play games and be fun and like." Like you said, we had dozens of kids showing yeah. up to this thing. None of us had any idea what we yeah. were doing. It was just, it, it was, was a great. Good way for people to get a little taste of Christ. It was a good crew. Yeah. So we've got this going in the background. Um, I'd say you're probably getting ready for college at this mm-hmm. point. You, you know, you have a future in baseball. When was it that you started getting looked at by college recruiters? Yeah, great question. So, the the model has changed. If there happens to be a baseball parent or a kid growing up playing ball whose desires to go play in college baseball. So the model has changed from them when I was growing up. But I played for that Austin Wings organization. Mm-hmm. That was the summer, I mean, that was the year of eighth grade, so that was 14U. The year after freshman year is 15U. The year after sophomore year was 16U. And then junior year comes along. So I'm, it's the spring of 2013 at Austin High. And I've been fortunate to have some success on the varsity team. I'd played really well with my Wings organization. And I'd heard just all along, all along, the summer after your junior year of high school is when you start getting recruited. Um, you go out, you know, they don't really, they have their own seasons going on, so they don't come watch you play at Austin High unless it's an off day and you're just some freak prospect, which I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but going into my senior year, you know, the, the college seasons have ended. 17 you I'm playing for the Austin Wings. It, I mean, just once again, it was just God's timing in my life. Like, I'd, I'd come off an okay junior year. You know, I played well, hitting like the 300s and at the varsity level, that's like solid, but it wasn't anything to phone home to mom about. Just okay baseball. Going into my senior year, just one of those things where, um, I'm trying to remember where we were at. It was Texas State. Mm-hmm. So it's probably June 2013. Um, an 18-year-old junior, because I got held back, so I'm a little on the older side. I'm playing with the Austin Wings, and I'll never forget, we're playing at like a tournament at Texas State just against teams from all over the state or the country, wherever they are, and we just play in these tournaments and the college coaches watch, and there's other coaches in the stands watching from all over the place. And I hit for the cycle, and then my fifth at bat, I hit a grand slam. I never hit two home runs in a game in my life. <laughs> like, I'm like, you gotta get, you gotta, like, I'm a little dude, I'm a leadoff hitter, like, my goal is to get on base, steal bases, kind of wreak havoc on the bases. I'm out here going ham, like, hitting balls over the wall at college fences. I, I can't even believe what's going on, and just, just God's timing. I mean, I just, his will was for me to go play some college baseball, and mm-hmm. I, I was the lucky one who it happened to be his will, and my passions happened to be aligned, and I hope I can say that about so much in my life going forward, but it just nuts, and I'll never forget you know emails and phone calls rolling in from coaches being like, Richard, saw you today at Texas State. You looked really good, and, and it was just wild. It was places that I always dreamed of going, like TCU, Texas, Baylor, A&M, Texas Tech. Rice and you got like these Ivy League schools are there and like just all these coaches like started figuring out my name my name had you know started popping on radars and that was just kind of the story of the summer I mean it was nothing I did but uh, it felt like just each new weekend you know we'd play a tournament every weekend essentially Thursday through Sunday and each new weekend I was doing things on a ball field I never even knew I was capable of Um, Mm -hmm. and eventually just you know started getting invited on campus and you know, people were calling me, and it didn't take me long. I stepped on Baylor's campus and met the men around the program and saw the place and was kind of like, man, the integration of faith, baseball, and just a desire for, you know, I remember their head coach at the time, Coach Steve Smith, a great man, 
I didn't end up playing my entire career for him. But I'll never forget sitting in his office when he offered me, and he was like, listen, you're a lot, a whole lot more to us than a center fielder. You know, you're a man. You might find your wife here. Who knows what this, this chapter at Baylor will look like for you here. He goes, but as you're picking through all of these schools, I just want you to keep that in mind, that this is a lot bigger than just how quickly can I get in the starting lineup. And I was an 18-year-old kid who didn't know what he was doing, and I was sold. I was like, yeah, that I, I want to be around that because mm-hmm. that, that that seems like a really good environment to go play some baseball in. And yeah, and it's kind of funny because I'll speak for myself. I feel like a lot of the guys who knew Richard's skill at that time were like, really, Baylor? Like, we thought he was going to go play at UT. Yeah, for, I mean, forever. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to go play at UT. Like, I, I kind yeah. of assumed that summer the way I was playing. I was like, oh, I'm just going to go play at UT. And nothing ever against UT. I've yeah. definitely, no no discredit to any horns out there. I've, I've grown a distaste for Texas <laughs> in my time at Baylor. Um, but, like, definitely that was, like, my room as a child was painted burnt orange. So yeah. definitely thought it was UT all along. But I, don't know, I, I think I just recognized that Baylor aligned more with who I was away from baseball, even though I could tell you every University of Texas starting lineup from mm-hmm. five years old to junior year of high school. I just mm-hmm. lived and breathed UT yeah. baseball in particular, and just for some reason it wasn't right, and God had other plans. and Which is grateful 100% they played out. accurate, because I was going to say, uh, I mean, we were thinking on the bat, like, what is he doing going to Baylor? And I was pretty excited about it because I'm. I was no doubt, a big we bear. had a bear right here. <laughs> but <laughs> and I, I mean, went to Baylor. <laughs> four or five years later, we're like, what would have happened if Richard didn't go to Baylor? Yeah. I mean, there's there's been a few pretty cool special things that were going on in the baseball program just that I heard about, and I know that it wasn't all ups there. You went through a coaching yeah. change, had a few injuries. No doubt. I mean, I could talk for at length about my. Um, time at Baylor, but essentially showed up. Um, Jump to your junior year. Give yeah. us the quick no doubt. freshman, I'll go, sophomore, let's go your junior I'll, I'll go real quick through early half of Baylor, but showed up and was just, I don't know if you guys had a similar experience your freshman year, but was just absolutely overwhelmed by being so far down on the totem pole. And it's a, I mean, it's a similar feeling to where we are now all three of us, mm-hmm. in like this young adulting season of life where you're back down at the bottom of the totem pole. So your career. Yeah. But was just so humbled and had never dealt with failure before. Like, you know, just had always had success in high school. Had always had success in, with whatever it might be. Like, dating girls was like easier in high school because <laughs> whoa, the, whoa. the options were... Well, and I, I don't mean that in a, like a, in a bad... Like, I just mean like... <laughs> Just like it was, it just came across a little more easy. And then you show up to Baylor, and everyone there seems like they were homecoming king in all state. And all of a sudden, the cute girls are falling off the radar left and right. And I'm like, hey, who wants to date me? And everyone's like, get lost, kid. Whereas, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if that's even fair to say. Sorry, podcast. But then, like, playing baseball, I show up, and there's an All American in center field. I don't have a prayer to be playing this year. I'm like, getting my butt kicked academically. Just dealing with the first time in my life adversity and not know how, knowing how to respond, that I legitimately got redshirted the entire year. And that doesn't really happen in college baseball much. Mm-hmm. Um, you, usually, you usually just get cut. But I got redshirted simply not because of injury or whatever it was, but simply because I wasn't good enough. Um, and that was tough. That was really, really humbling because so much of my identity was baseball and people recognized me for my baseball ability. Um, but, man, praise God that... I had a discovery going into what Sam asked for my junior year as, it, as I progressed through my second year at Baylor. We had a new coaching staff come in, Coach Steve Rodriguez from Pepperdine, who was like another father to me, just 
the man. Um, but really started to surrender performance in baseball and making baseball who I was from an identity standpoint. Um, these guys are just making jokes in the background at me. <laughs> but but really started to surrender baseball as an identity. And so thankful for that because then get to junior year and without that mindset wouldn't have been able to probably overcome some of the ridiculous stuff I went through. And then we get into the spring of 2017. I'm a third-year sophomore, so a redshirt sophomore. Um, I'm thinking I'm going to get drafted after this year. I'm having this wild year. I'm playing so good. And we're at Sam Houston State over spring break. I'm batting like 480 at the time. And I get, I take a, I'm trying to bunt, and I take a inside fastball from a lefty to the hand, and I break uh, my index finger on my throwing hand. And you think that wouldn't be a huge deal, but I couldn't throw for a month. And not only that, I couldn't hold a bat. I had to have surgery. And so this just sets me back in a massive way. I go from hitting 480 to not playing for a month. You're rolling, you're, yeah, you got to, a rhythm yeah, going. And all to coming same. back a month later right in the thick of conference and just going like, oh, for my next who knows how many. So my average tanks to like two something. And you know I was lucky enough to claw back above 300 and have a solid year. But I was looking like Sam over here with his broken hand. <laughs> um, but sucks. I mean, it was it was tough. I was trying. I was throwing a baseball in the outfield with a plastic cast on my finger, and I was throwing. I mean, I don't even know what I was. Poor Josh Bissonette and our shortstop Nick Lofton were trying to catch this crap that I was throwing into him. I don't even know what it was. Sign Tucker Cascad and actually was our shortstop at the time. <laughs> but I just had no arm, and coaches on the other teams were taking advantage of it. But I was. I mean, it was it was tough. I'd never really faced the injury bug like that before. So that happens. Junior year ends. I have a good year. Coming into the fourth year, redshirt junior year, so now that was my third year, redshirt sophomore year, coming into redshirt junior year, and I'm like all just jazzed for a new season, um, new things on the horizon. Opening day rolls around, I'm like, all right, didn't get drafted after my third year, here it comes, like, I've been in college baseball, this is my fourth year now, like, I'm a seasoned vet, I'm ready for this, I'm going to get drafted, make my money, like, go play ball, I'm excited. Opening day, fourth year, during, like, pregame warm-ups, I make a throw home just because I'm jazzed. It's the first game of the year, and I guess I threw with a little more intensity than I should have or my body was ready for, and I tear my UCL, ulnar collateral ligament, and my throwing arm, and that is good old-fashioned Tommy John. And so did that opening day of my fourth year, and by the grace of God, I was able to hit the rest of the season, um, which I'm so thankful for. But I had to take off the entire year in the outfield because I just could not throw a baseball. We tried to give it PRP injections and cortisone injections, and we tried everything we could to kind of doctor it up and see if I couldn't play, but I my elbow was blown. and So then fourth year in, so there goes ability to get drafted. No one's going to draft a center fielder who can't throw a ball. But the coolest part about the fourth year is I could have chosen to get that surgery at the beginning of the year and miss the season, um, but just funny how God works. I just never felt the desire to do that. I wanted to hit. I wanted to be the DH go on to be the DH and have by far and away my best collegiate year. I hit, I mean, I led the Big 12 in almost like every offense category, which is just wild. But we won the Big 12 championship that year, and I was so thankful to be a part of that ride. Let's go Bears. Um, wow, yeah. you hit 342 that year. <laughs> How about that? Um, but it just had the greatest time ever. And so then all of a sudden, 
here I am thinking I'm going to get drafted up for my third year, thinking I'm going to get drafted up for my fourth year. I'm coming up on a fifth year, and I just had my elbow repaired, and I'm like, whoa, I'm about to turn 24 as a college baseball player. That's a little troubling. <laughs> I'm going to be the grandpa on the team. I heard some other players would yell grandpa at you. Dude, I was like over here getting engaged, like making 401k decisions, while guys were trying to figure out where their classes were. And, and, like, and, like it is, it was and all just of a sudden a he was a grandpa. Yeah, it was just <laughs> all and you, I mean, you'd already graduated your MBA too, right? No, I so I'd finished my I finished my undergrad after that third year. Yeah. So when I started the fourth year, excuse me, I was working on my MBA. So that fifth year, I wrapped up the MBA. The yeah. dual credit. That's what made it happen. Dude, come on! It's all thanks to Mama Cunningham back in high school and hey, that Austin High getting me in those dual credit classes. I need to write your mom a thank you note because the reason I did dual credit is because you did it. Dude, I will sell dual credit to it anyone was who awesome. will listen. It will get you through college and save you some money. But yeah, then that this last year, the fifth year, mm-hmm. 2018, 2019, um, such a blast. A, a year characterized, ironically, by injuries to everyone around me. I mean, our entire weekend rotation, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we returned, coming into 2019, we returned all nine players in our lineup in all three weekend rotation. Like, we were slated to win the Big 12. We were just absolutely mm-hmm. stacked out of our minds. We had three guys drafted in the first round. I mean, it's just nuts how talented we were. But I'm not kidding this is just the irony in this. I think I was the only player who wasn't injured this past season. Because you, you already served I, I, I'd served my time. That's and it's crazy. Just, it, was, it was really fun to see guys fight through that um, mm-hmm. with such just strength and character. And regardless of, you know, the outcome wasn't what we wanted. We lost in the UCLA Regional. Um, fun to watch guys battle adversity and do it with a lot of heart. And so it was a special ride at Baylor, man. Mm-hmm. And so... That has all come to an end. The baseball yeah. career, you had to... Came to an end. You had to put that one on the back burner. Um, uh, I think it's it, I think it's off the burners. <laughs> if I go back to baseball now, we've got some serious issues going on. <laughs> yeah, totally off the burners. What have, what have you done since then to, I guess, fill that void? I mean, you've been so Great competitive question. for like 15 years of your life. You're putting your yeah. heart and soul... In baseball, and obviously you have so much more more to you. Have good grades. You uh, you end up getting a good job for yourself. Mm. And but I mean, I, I know what it's like not having to play sports anymore. No it's like it's weird. It, yeah. You feel empty. What have you done in these past? It's been four months now for you since you quit. Yeah, baseball? June June third was the last time I was on a diamond. Last time I laced it up. So what was that July, August, September? I mean, it's, yeah, coming on four months now. Um, dude, I'd be lying to you if I told you I fig- I've had it figured out. Yeah. Like there has been so much just push and pull in my heart in regard to, did I, should I have gone and tried to sign an undrafted free agent deal? And just so to set the record straight, um, did not get drafted. Like, you know, I think a lot of people mm-hmm. are like, why didn't you go play this thing, that? And it's just like God's plan, man, is this all I can say is that there's 40 rounds times 30 picks around. That's 1,200 picks. Yeah. And that's 1,200 picks in which I was passed on. And so I just cannot tell you the amount of peace I walked away from that draft with being like, you know what? I thought I put together a pretty good resume of playing baseball in school. And for some other reason, every team took a pass on me. And I just could not be more thankful for the way it played out. But Sam, you're exactly right. I mean, there is a mm-hmm. there is a pit and there's an emptiness there. And I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I don't think it'll ever go away. Yeah, like that's just the reality and the fact of the matter. As competitors, all of us, like we're just 
we're high energy guys <laughs> who love to compete, who love to play, and. So Richard's golf game is gonna get dangerous. <laughs> 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 what? So the problem is, is I'm not good at golf to like get to that point, if that makes sense. So I kind of need to keep a healthy balance with it. I always used to have baseball to fall back on. I'd go play a bad round of golf, and I'd be like, that's not what I do. I'm a baseball player. Now I go out there, and I'm like, all right, Richard, don't get too invested here. You might lose your mind. But, no, I mean, Sam, truth be told, it, it brings you back to what is your identity in? Mm-hmm. Is your identity in baseball and what you do? Or is your identity in the creator? And man, that's just where I've had so much rest and so much peace is that for so long I let baseball be my identity and I was just absolutely owned by the whiplash of success and failure. When I'd play well, mountaintop. I was the happiest guy ever. When I'd play bad, the deepest valley ever. I I felt bad about myself. I thought I was scum of the earth. I couldn't hold a conversation, couldn't look people in the eyes because I went 0 for 3 that night with a couple strikeouts. Um, It was just unhealthy. Um, and what I wrestled through all of my time with baseball is like, you know, where is your identity? Is it in Richard and, and Richard's performance? And, and praise God, it isn't. It's in someone who came and already performed for me. Um, and that's a, in Christ Jesus alone. And, and, and I found so much rest there. But I'd be lying to you if I said when I go jog to the Y, I don't get into the squat rack. And I'm like, uh, maybe just in case, you know, like the Yankees come calling here in a year, which they're not. I'll make sure I stay fresh under my squat rack. But no, it's yeah. I. I truly am looking forward to how I'm going to fill that void. It might be being a world class husband or a really good investment manager. I mean, like I have no idea that competitiveness will always burn in there. And I wish I could tell you that I didn't think about it all the time. Like I was. Not but a few weeks ago, I was talking with my fiance and I started choking up and she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I just, I miss it. I miss being in the locker room with the guys. I miss shooting the breeze and debating Lord knows what as we're running the bases during <laughs> batting practice. I miss just hitting BP on a beautiful Friday <laughs> afternoon and then, you know, just yeah. talking mess with my coach because he didn't like the way my swing looked, but I just hit one in the river. And I was just, you know, we're just, it's the little things like that that I miss. And, and I'll never forget my last game at UCLA. I was taking batting practice and just had this weird, eerie feeling. You know, I, I at this time I thought the draft was inevitable. I thought it was happening, and regardless of what happened in that Baylor game, obviously I wanted to see the Baylor career go on as far as it could. I knew there was more baseball to be played, but I just had this weird, eerie feeling on the last day of my ever on the last day for me to ever play baseball as I was taking BP. I walked out of the cage after my last swing and I just broke down and cried. And I don't even remember why. Like I just I just thought that I sat there and thought to myself, Oh my goodness. It's the last time I'll ever take like an organized round of batting practice with like a Nike jersey and like nice cleats and being in an environment like this at a gorgeous place like UCLA with music playing in the background. And there you have it, it was. And so I'm like grateful that I look back on those tears that mm-hmm. I kind of was able to soak in the last moment, even though I didn't think it was the one, but it happened to be. So, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a million dollar question and I'm trying I, to figure it out. I too. think it's still burning inside you guys, and my, my my old man is about to turn sixty, and it's still burning inside of him. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to being a fan and kind of just seeing where, else, like, you know, what everything baseball taught me takes me onward too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're getting married in what two and a half weeks, yeah, dude. I'm gonna need all the help I can get there. <laughs> There's no amount of swings you could take in the cage to get ready for yeah. being a husband, and who knows what's to come with that. But I'm thankful. Yeah, that's exciting. It's a pretty funny story. Didn't you 
Didn't you see her from the batting cage? Yeah. And you knew that was no, going to be the way. We might have to have another whole podcast yeah, called, this is called a friend zone success story for this one. But, you yeah. can talk to us about that later. Give us advice. <laughs> but, yeah, long story short, senior high school, I get a text from a guy who says, hey, good news, I just met your future wife. I'm like, who is she? I want to know who she is. Being the punk 18-year-old I am, I'm like, I want a Facebook soccer. What's this girl look like? Is she pretty? Like, just the worst. I mean, I look back at myself and I just just get mad um but happened to be he was on a cross-country road trip he was an aggie um him and his buddies were on a cross-country mentorship faith road trip staying with families the last family they stayed with was in chattanooga tennessee it was marshall my fiance's family he sent me a text may of my senior year of high school this is 2014 saying good news i just met your future wife I'm like, who is it? She's like, he's like, no, 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 I'll let you know someday if you ever meet her. <laughs> Fast forward to welcome week in my freshman year, August of 2015, I meet this girl at a, just like this backyard function, and I put two and two together. This is her. This is future wife chick. And so I like, <laughs> I fall in love right then and there. I'm like, I, this is the one. I'm here. I like sign on the dotted line. I'm good. And she could not have had a more opposite experience. She was like, this is just going to be that sweet male friend for all of college that she just like is annoyed <laughs> by because he's just trying too hard and somehow some way two yeah, and a half years and, later and she, after some serious convincing she changed she's an athlete too I, dude she is she just tells me he was running the barathon and got his butt kicked yeah, by her. dude I, this the, chick's a machine so the barathon is this is a half marathon in waco and, you know, I run, I ran the marathon. I, I felt like I did pretty good. You know, I, I finished, you know, I wasn't the fastest, but you know, I, I feel like I beat most of the girls out there. <laughs> I get to the finish line oh, no. and I see Marshall and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm dying. I'm dead. <laughs> and I, I see Marshall and like, it didn't even look like she'd ran. <laughs> I said, how'd you do Marshall? And she ran. It was ridiculous. Like maybe it. Hour and a half, like oh man, hour forty, some absurd time. <laughs> she's, it's she's got a. Good, it was impressive, and it's just the worst part about it too is like, I can't jog from my house. I was gonna say she off can probably beat Springs you in a race, can't you? To the YMCA, like I'm pretty sure it's point eight miles. I can't jog all the way there you without, got the sprint without having to stop halfway at the Shalotskis and walk. Like I get to the Shalotskis, and that's when I get to walk, and the whole way there is downhill. I, I can't even like I like I resent the turkey trot because it's so hard <laughs> for me. Like I cannot run distance, and here Marshall is running seven minute miles for like unreal. And, and I mean, she runs the marathon without training. Like, I don't, and what? And it's like <laughs> it's loving it's loving of me to like go on a run. With right, her, we that's got our it. favorite way to work out, but <laughs> I can't go on a run. Like I can't run the town like trail casually and not feel like I'm about to have to have the EMS called. All right, so we're gonna let this go, um, but I have one quick question. Yeah, let's super serious. So you can't Facebook stalk, but can you LinkedIn stalk? Can I LinkedIn stalk? <laughs> what does that mean? No, go check out a chick on LinkedIn. I'm getting married in two and a half weeks. My chick checking no, no, out this days is advice are for, far This, is, a, this oh. is just general advice. Dude, if I could give you any dating advice, and this is about to get cliche like old man Richard on you guys. I'm one year older than y'all. It would be go to where God's people are. Go, I mean, this sounds bad. But, like, go find women at church. Like, they want to be dated so badly, and they want to be dated so well. 
and go do it and go and like you guys like like have a children race with me. Let's see if we can get to ten first. Hey, deal. <laughs> then we'll be That's real right. renaissance men. We talked about that. We're gonna save that for the sake of the audience. Yeah, so seriously. we got real sidetracked there. I'm sorry, but that was great. So let's let's really wrap that. Yeah, here. come on, bring it in. Um, what do you see your future shaping out to be? I mean, you're working now as a investment manager, correct? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm more on a sales side, but I work for a big investment management firm, correct? And I think you were just telling me, like, you're not really sure what the future looks like, but you know, we're locked into full time jobs. Yeah, a full time job, guys, for fifty years. I don't know how long yeah. you want to work. It's but pretty, it's pretty daunting realization. That got anything in. lined up that you think like, hey, this this is gonna be maybe my fallback. Besides golf, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say this. I mean. These are Tim Tebow's words and not mine, of course. I'm not about to quote Tim Tebow in this. But um, he loves to talk about an open hand mentality. So we talk, you know, so much of this life, it feels like our hands are turned over, um, palms facing down, and we just have an entitlement that feels like we can just take, take, take. And everything is just bestowed upon us in that, like, we're owed something. And just take, take, take. And I think my just goal walking into this marriage and walking into the next season of life ahead of me is just to open my hands and just be a recipient and a grateful recipient and just say, you know what, just whatever is bestowed upon me, like I hope I can steward it well. Um, and look back and have experiences like looking back on Baylor and saying, man, like what, an, what a special experience just because I don't, I didn't know what I was going to walk into, but it just praise God, something I was able to receive well and be a steward of it. And so, I, I mean, I don't really know. We're holding, Marshall and I are holding Austin loosely. We love Austin, but are we going to be here forever? I have no idea. Are we going to end up on mission? Are we going to end up in the church? Are we going to end up um, back where she's from in Chattanooga? I mean, are we going to have kids immediately down the road? I, mean, I just, we really, we're holding everything loosely and we don't really have an expectation or a plan, but just really more than anything, just kind of God, take us where you need to take us. And if it's investment management and, I'm working in a mutual fund landscape for the rest of my life. Sweet. Hopefully I can become an expert in that, which is what you guys are, I mean, what y'all are promoting is kind of, you know, can you be well-rounded in a number of different fields? Is it a different avenue of business or is it teaching God's word or teaching something other, like just who knows what it is, but my, my hope is that I get to see a lot of different neat things. I definitely think that's a mentality that carries over from the Renaissance man and is embodied by faith in general. It's, yeah. You know, just taking what comes at you and doing the best you can at it. Mm -hmm. You can learn a lot of different things that way. No doubt. No doubt. I, I think that's something that's just like the art of the expert is disappearing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, it's our generation is responsible for this too. Is the average time at a job right now is, I mean, we're, we're like under two years now. And, you know, they have the classic saying of 10,000 hours or something until you master something. And so um, my big push there would be, well, exactly what you guys are pushing for is that art of a renaissance man and being an expert in, and not only in one thing but in multiple things um, and giving something the devotion and the time it deserves is is fading. And you know, let's just stop being a culture that just samples things. There's nothing wrong with that and getting a taste of a bunch of different things. But you know, put your nose to the grindstone and do a little work in this life and see where it can't take you. Said well. I think that's definitely a mindset. Heck, we might not ever master... 
Baseball. Hit, hit might, baseball. Yeah, might, believe me, it's not, it doesn't happen. You might not master, master something <laughs> tangible. But what Richard just brushed on is we can master, for instance, the art of being open, not knowing what's coming. And I think you just live a life so much better that way. Yeah. It it makes everything just make sense. It makes who cares what's going on tomorrow. And that's something that I think the listeners really ought to take note of in what Richard spoke upon and, and maybe try to see how you could interact that into your own life. It's um, a good word. Anyways, we're, we're kind of wrapping up here. Chess, you got anything you want to ask Richard before I throw the any biggest... Hot, any hot seat questions while you got the me? The biggest hot seat question you <laughs> Richard, life? I've always wondered, how do you balance... First of all, Okay, so you played baseball in college. You had ridiculously good grades. You were on every social event you can imagine. How do you balance all that stuff? Because it's it's impressive. Man, uh, I, I appreciate you saying You also that. know everyone's name, which is even more impressive. <laughs> you're, you're wild. Um, I, maybe simply put is you just got to see the highlights, if that makes sense. You know, And so I would, would be cautious with this Instagram culture and whatnot is just... And observing people, there's so much more there. So I appreciate, and I'm, I'm thankful to hear that what you got to see was was positive. Uh, but man, it was a lot of long nights, and it was a lot of early mornings, and a lot of unsettled times where there was just anxiety and fear and, and things like that in my heart that was like, man, I got another deadline, this, that, and the other. Um, but the times in which I had the most success... And the most joy is when I stopped worrying about the deadline or the result or the batting average or the grade. And I kind of just let myself be where my feet are and do that moment really well. And like you said, whether it was getting to know someone and know a name, like go beyond just the name, but get to know the story. Whether it was school, like go beyond just the grade and see what you can actually learn. And, and somehow, some way, you know, my dad always said this, the scoreboard takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. And so maybe what you got to see was the scoreboard taking care of itself because mm-hmm. I'm thankful you saw it was good because there was a lot of ugly under the surface. But, man, I'm going to sound like Matt Rule here with Baylor, but just, I mean, truly, as cliche as it sounds, enjoying the process and not necessarily the destination is a lost art um, because we always, we always, God, we do this so much. It's like if we do this thing where it's, if I could just get to this, then I would be happy. If I could just land this job or just land this girlfriend or move to this city, then I would finally be happy. And that is just, man, that's just vanity. And that's fading. Um, so why not stop and appreciate the present moment we're given? And you might see outflow like Chess was got to see, but I promise you it wasn't that good looking. <laughs> but it definitely comes with hard work and it comes with yeah. that out that mindset. Yeah, it's, it's, it's undeniable that the one thing that's been there all along is the grind. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so, but an appreciation for the grind. <laughs> Which, by the way, I think you might need to say thanks to Tyler Childers for your comment earlier about Nose to the Grindstone. You heard that? Is that a Chad Tyler Childers song? Yeah, good. You talk about a guy who can jam. We need to Incredible. go to a concert soon. Yeah, yeah he's coming to ACL. I'm getting obsessed with Flatland. All right. They're so good. They're good. Mm-hmm. You ready for this? Come on, fire. So, do you like being thought of as that guy who played baseball in college? If so, if not, what do you want to be thought of as? Hmm. That's a really good question. You could ask that. You could ask that to anyone, and you know, change the being yeah. thought of as the brain surgeon or the this that. I mean, it's just a really good question. Um, 
so much of me loves the fact that baseball is a part of my story. I learned so much there. Um, yeah, like I would be lying to you if I said I didn't have like an ounce of me like lights up with a little bit of pride. And so I was like, oh yeah, Richard played baseball in college. I'm like, yeah, I did do something athletic <laughs> in my time. Like, no doubt I love that. But man, I hope that's not all they're saying at me about me at my funeral someday. Is yeah. Oh yeah, he played baseball for Baylor once upon a time. You know, my, my hope and my deepest desire is, man, he loved the Lord and he committed to living for Jesus Christ. And as a result, he performed from that acceptance, not for that acceptance. And things that he got to do were like play baseball and spread the joy of the gospel in the locker room. Man, I hope people said he was a really good husband or a, a dad or, or whatever it was, a provider. Um, but I mean... I'll be lying to you if I said it doesn't make me happy when people like talk about the old. You read off my batting average, earlier and I was like, "That's one of the coolest things I've ever like been yeah. told." And then someone just reflected on my career at Baylor. It's so weird to even think it's in the past now. But I would say that's my yeah my answer to that. Well, Richard, we appreciate it. We're all better to know Good. you. I'm thankful for you and, guys, uh, man. Yeah, and y'all, we uh, we want y'all to go check this out. Richard's recently posted an article and a little bit of what we explained, but. I saw it on LinkedIn like a week ago. Or no, no, longer than that, but it was an incredible article. I appreciate um, that, We'll be sharing in the, so, the show notes with your approval. I mean, it's already the World Wide Web, so. Dude, I wasn't it's, <laughs> don't hate on the grammar in there. I'm yeah. not a writer. So yeah, anyways, so, go check it out. Yeah, and Richard, is there any place the audience could, you know, follow you on Twitter or, you know, LinkedIn? Man, I, I can, I can tell you this much right now. You're going to be thoroughly disappointed <laughs> if you follow me. I actually... I didn't delete my Instagram entirely, but I deleted my app. Um, I deleted mine. It's just, it's, it's too consuming, <laughs> but, but I am, podcasts. I am on social media. I'm Richard underscore Cunny. Um, you're going to be disappointed. I'm like a once a semester post, like hey, it's a good, person. It's a good post whenever um, it comes along though. I'm on there to make sure I'm following my, my Baylor Bear sports Yeah. or who knows what, when like my fiance posts a cute picture of us, it's fun to be like, oh, like. <laughs> This ant liked the photo. So, God, we were turning to old guys. <laughs> but, yeah, please do follow me, and more than anything, would love to get to know your story. And yeah. Come come hang. That's what I really want to do is let's go let's go to eat a meal together or something. So send me a DM or something like that. I like some comida. I'll DM you. Dude, let's go <laughs> eat breakfast tomorrow. Shoot. You're a busy guy. That's what, that's what I got to do. All right, y'all. Thanks for coming, Richard. It's been great. And uh, thanks for tuning in to LMP Show. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the LNP Show, where we discuss the art of being a well-rounded individual. Please subscribe below and comment, and also stay tuned for next time.